ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And, Brett, we officially made it to basketball season. Arizona had an exhibition game, which they won comfortably over eastern New Mexico. We're going to talk about that and give our thoughts on the very, very first time we've seen Arizona basketball. We'll also get into some football later, a competitive game at USC, a possible winnable game against Cal, if it even happens as we're recording this. That seems to be up in the air. But, Brett, how nice is it that we made it to basketball season. I mean, as an Arizona fan, we're almost always looking forward to it's, you know, we'll soon be basketball season and it is upon us and not a moment too soon <laughs> as we're, what, is it a losing streak at 20 officially now? Yes, it is officially at 20 games for football, which is, again, we're going to be talking about football. Don't worry. We're not ignoring football, especially after a competitive game, but you know, basketball, we're always, it's Arizona basketball, men's, women's, we're excited for all of that. Um, yeah, it's an exhibition game. 96-50 was the score. It was, I, I saw all the hot takes afterwards. You know, this team's there running up and down the floor. That's great. Tommy Lloyd is calm, cool, collected on the sideline. What a delight scene. We're going to preview Arizona basketball, men's and women's next week. So you can really get into it. But like, I just, I watched it and I'm just like, yeah, okay. That was nice to see. It was nice to see basketball, but I don't think you can take anything from it. I mean, the most important thing that happened was a Christian Coloco three-pointer. Yes, that was delightful. I don't expect to see that often during the season, but, but that's, it, that kind of goes to the point of, like, it's, it's an exhibition game against a clearly overmatched opponent. If you don't dominate, then maybe you worry a little bit, but even then, this is the first game for these players against another opponent with a brand-new coach, a brand-new scheme. Like, there were some turnovers. There was that fast pace. They shot a lot of threes. They shot 33 three-pointers in this game. That never would have happened on the previous coach. I don't know if there's going to be expected or if this is a, hey, the product of the opponent and the atmosphere. Well, and what's interesting with that was shooting that many threes. Pella Larson is, did not play in that, I don't believe, uh, but he's expected to be back and healthy for the NAU game next week. Mm-hmm. And he is maybe should be the best three-point shooter on the team, potentially. Um, I'd be curious to see how he fits, fits in with the, you know, the rotation looks pretty darn deep. Like we've, like we've, you know, talked about in the past when we were looking through the roster. I don't think we could take anything from this exhibition game. I'm not sure we're going to take much more from the NAU game aside from avenging the football loss. <laughs> An Arizona uh, revenge game against NAU. <laughs> Avenge us, basketball. Avenge us. <laughs> you know, if, if Arizona basketball loses to NAU, it gets swept in football and basketball this year, then let's we'll shut it down, Adam. We're done here. Can we, can um, we make but, a claim like that? I don't know if Bryant, our boss, will be okay with that. You know, if we just like okay, Arizona basketball loses to NAU, then we're done with Wildcat Radio. We're out. Like that's <laughs> I don't know if that's for us to say. Oh, I might I might just be out uh, <laughs> indefinitely. Wildcat Radio two point with Adam Green and only Adam Green, the last man standing. <laughs> but no, I I think for a lot of people this was again, it was the first time to see this team coached by by Tommy Lloyd. We didn't see the secret scrimmage against St. Mary's. I saw various reports of how that went. 
who knows? They showed clips, and it's like, oh, they showed Arizona making shots. Like, that was neat. But it doesn't mean anything. Just like beating Eastern New Mexico by almost 50 points doesn't mean much other than like, hey, basketball is back. You know, is it, so you can look at kind of we did with the right and blue game. Certain guys look bigger. Dale and Terry looked bigger. Ben Matherin looked bigger and stronger. Kirk Reith, you know, looked bigger. As it was to like that's happened. Like there, you could see that. But in terms of how that's going to translate on the court when they play good, he's like, I wrote a thing for Izzy Desert Swarm. It kind of mentioned like, yeah, they look good, but until until they play a real opponent, how can you know if the things that you're excited about will translate to a tougher game? You know, will Tommy Lloyd stay that calm and cool on the sideline if his team is struggling to make shots, is make, is turning the ball over, is down by 12, 15? You know, are they going to be as free-flowing offensively, jacking up threes and just feeling confident and comfortable if they're in a tight game against a good defense? Will they have that many open threes against a good defense, a better opponent? Like, we have to see that. And we won't, like you said, we won't know that against NAU, most likely. I hope not. I hope NAU is more of a repeat of what we saw against Eastern New Mexico. But, you know, certainly... The ceiling looks different for this team because even the Sean Miller teams, when they would look like that, you knew that wasn't their style. That was clearly a product of the opponent. This was Arizona, who's still learning the system, getting up and down the floor, taking open shots, whether it was a three-pointer early in the shot clock or whatever. Like That does seem to be a style that they're going to play under Tommy Lloyd. The question is how effective will it be, and that we won't know for at least another few weeks, I would think. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. There are a few you know, uh, pieces of evidence that you can take from that game. Uh, you know, they defended pretty well, ter- forced a lot of turnovers and converted points off of it. Um, but also, Justin Kyer and Kim Aiken looking like, you know, they maybe not won't be star players, but boy, they look really valuable, especially if they're shooting the ball as, as well as they've done. You know, Kim Aiken was the the uh, star of the red-blue game with hitting, hitting threes all over the place. And, you know, he's two of three again. Uh, I think Justin Kyer made four of six. If those guys are hitting outside shots with what you have in you know, on the perimeter and the slashers and you have Azulis Tabellis and Coloco is looking bigger and stronger. And maybe he's ready to take that, that big leap, uh, you know, that starts to show up on the stat sheet a little bit more that we uh, have been hoping for, for a few years now. But yeah, yeah I'm not sure NAU is going to tell us much more, uh, but it'll, that one counts for real, right? Yeah. Towards our, our over under of win total that we set last time. Well, and one thing you mentioned there was Coloco and we saw in the red blue game, he was more, what's the right donkey. Like he's seen it, and that's saying he's going to be bigger than most teams, most players he goes against. He's a big man. Also, Umar Balo came in there like, wow, they have two seven footers with wingspans. Like, Coloco is more skilled than Balo, which is, if anyone has watched Christian Coloco last couple years, like, wow, he has more skill than the other guy. That speaks poorly. Like, I don't know if that's true. Just Coloco is a little bit further ahead in his development, but so far he seems to be more aggressive around the basket, trying to dunk the ball more, more physical. And yeah, it's easier to do that against players that are either on your team like the red-blue game, or much smaller than you, like Eastern New Mexico. But also, he's not going to match up too often with other seven-footers. So does he take that aggression? Is that just part of his growth as a player, getting more comfortable? Like, yeah, I'm seven-foot in this size. I can do that. I'm going to try to dunk the ball because also he's a little bit more confident as a free-throw shooter where, hey, if he gets fouled, so what? He'll go to the line and try to make one or two of those free-throws, and it's not the end of the world. And that's, that's key because a lot of people were wondering, and we're still going to wonder for a while, the Tommy Lloyd offensive system for big men. Like, they use them in Gonzaga, bigs, but they're normally not seven-foot defensive rebounding type centers. They're guys who can pass the ball, can dribble a little bit, can shoot. Can a guy like Coloco fit in this offense? And if 
Tommy Lloyd's as good of a tactician, a game planner, a coach as we've heard, that he should be able to find an offense that will work to have Coloco on the floor. Like, you can find a role for Christian Coloco. He's not a bad player. And especially when he brings you on the defensive side of the floor, you need that out there. That's valuable. But that's the one thing because other guys, you know, the Wings, Dalen Terry, uh, Matherin, who I think they're both going to be very good this season, they're going to play opponents who are their size and more athletic than what they faced against Eastern New Mexico and what they're going to face against NAU. Coloco may not. He may not face too many people his size. Skill-wise, he'll face good bigs. But size-wise, if he can take that, what he's been doing, that if he's taken that leap truly to being a guy to be more aggressive and more physical around the basket when he has the ball, that's going to be huge for this team. Well, I actually wonder how much value he is seeing in his development by going up against Balo in practice every day. Uh, you know, Balo, who is described as you as thick with two C's at him. Uh, <laughs> You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a, a large, large man. <laughs> he is a very large man. Uh, it takes it takes a large man to make God King Christian Coloco uh, not look like the largest man on the court. Um, so, you know, I'm, I I wonder if some of that uh, the donkey factor, as you called uh, called it, I think, um, in terms of what Coloco is looking like. I yeah, wonder I'm not if some proud of that, of that is, by the way. Yeah, it's not it's not your best. Also, um, not my worst. Well. You have a low floor and a and a somewhere there's a ceiling at him. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> found it yet. <laughs> um, but like you know, for, for a guy like Coloco going up against a Balo every day, not only makes him kind of maybe develop a different kind of physical toughness against the the, the bigger guys that he might face uh, as we get into the you know not the the non some of the non con games will be tough, but mm -hmm. NAU is probably not going to be a tough one. Gosh, but I, also, I hope not. but also you know, there's a subtle thing. And I say this to somebody when I was when I was playing and got bigger. I'm not nearly as big as either of those guys are, but I was I was relatively short and got tall. And when you get when you're used to banging against people and in, in practice all day long, and suddenly he gets a guy that's you know six inches shorter than him, he probably realizes, oh wait, I can really take advantage of this guy. And there's a subtle shift in a mindset there, and he probably is a little bit more aggressive because he says, oh now it's my opportunity to dominate that I don't know if he ever quite realized in the past. And you kind of learn that when you actually go against guys that are bigger than you. Yeah, and we kind of saw that. We talked, what was it, a couple of years ago when uh, James Akinjo was playing or was practicing with the team redshirting, and Nico Mannion was the team's point guard. It's like, oh, what's he going to learn going against this? And you could say what you want about Nico Mannion, but he was a high-quality point guard, and Akinjo was going against him every day. Akinjo the next season comes in and was an all-Pac-12 type player, right? And the same thing happened with T.J. McConnell and Mark Lyons. A long time ago, T.J. McConnell sat a year. Mark Lyons was a point guard. McConnell comes out. And that's not to say these guys wouldn't have been good without going against that player in practice every day for a season. And granted, Umar Balo and Coloco don't have a whole season of going against each other. <laughs> like, Balo's a transfer. He hasn't been around. It's not like he was a transfer that sat for last year, you know, redshirt or whatever and was practicing. But there is something to be said for going against a player of that size on the practice floor. I, I imagine you're absolutely correct there. Because it's kind of when you practice against something that you're going that you don't ever see, it makes it different. How do you? Because then when you see it, you're like, wait, what? This isn't what I've worked against. And how many seven footers has he practiced against over the years? Like what? Zeke Naji a couple of years ago was basically it. Yeah, you know? like and he he wasn't a true seven footer. No, no. So so to have that in practice will only make each of them better, and that's something that could be truly advantageous to Arizona because. Other teams will have wings. Other teams will have point guards. And Arizona still, Kirk Kreese being the only true point guard on this team. And he seems more kind of like a, I mean, I think he's more point guard than shooting guard, but he's not quite there as a point guard yet either. But what they have that most teams won't have is that size up front. And if Christian Coloco and, and 
Paulo, we'll say, but Coloco is the main one. If he can belong on the court, if he can be not a liability offensive, be someone who they can get the ball to, is in position, can dunk the ball, can get those offensive rebounds, can block shots, can do all those things. If he's not a liability, then that's an advantage a lot of teams won't have. Just because when you have him with Tubelis, Azulis, like that's a really tall front line, and it would be a skilled front line. And that's something that not every team can feature, not every team can compete with. So Coloco the last couple of years, as much as we hype him up, he's been a flawed player. Like he's been good at yeah. certain things, but not enough things to be like, that's a guy who should get 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game. If he can be a guy who can get 25 or 30 minutes a game for this team, stay out of foul trouble and contribute 10 points, 12 points offensively, they're going to have something there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen enough from him to see say that, you know, if there's one gap in this roster, it's that there's not a guy that can dump the ball down to the post in a, in a long possession and he'll get you a shot. But I don't know if you necessarily have to have that to win. I do think what Coloco needs to show, and I'm not sure we've, and I, I am expecting it with Tommy Lloyd's offense, is if he can, you know, be a mobile screen, screen and roll big man that can catch the ball and not just on lobs. Like he has the hands and the footwork to be able to, to roll and be an effective threat on a pick and roll. That's really all you need out of him and yeah. really out of ball. And, and then if, if Ballo, I'm, I, I'm not sure he'd be a great guy that could set a screen. I'm not sure how mobile he is and his hands are to catch it, but you know, he could set a screen and block out the sun for, you know, a couple of days. There you go. Um, you know, so it's, I'm not sure Balo can keep up with a Kirk Carissa running around uh, uh, on a pick and roll because Kirk Carissa is kind of a little, uh, you know, road runner out there. But if he, if he can develop that ability and then clean up, uh, you know, offensive rebounds and, and and things like that on the offensive end, I think that that is what you need for this team to really be successful. Yeah, and just for posterity's sake, Coloco played a little over 16 minutes against Eastern New Mexico had. Made six of eight shots, had 10 rebounds, 14 total, 14 points, had an assist, had a couple of blocks. Like, that's an impactful game, again, against a very small Eastern New Mexico team. But Coloco looked like the way, not a dominant big should, because he's not that level, but a quality seven-footer who plays, mostly he's there for his defense and rebounding, but should be able to score some points and be a contributor on the offensive end against a team like Eastern New Mexico. He was exactly that. But, Brett, we promised people are going to talk about football because it's, Arizona lost again. The streak made it to 20, but it felt different against USC. So we'll talk about that and how it leads into this Cal game right after this break. Welcome back. And as we said before the break, Arizona went to USC. Arizona was, well, I think it was close to like 20-point underdogs again. Like they were expected to get blown out. And it was 41-34. Arizona competed. They actually were tied 7-7, if not for maybe you know some missed obvious holding calls on USC Things might have been different, but Arizona went on the road, played a decent team, not a great team, but a decent, certainly more talented team, and fought hard till the end, gave themselves a chance. And if you're an Arizona fan, as much as you want to see them win, you never expect it to be that game, but watching them compete at the Coliseum had to feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not convinced Arizona would have kept it within a, a score had Drake London not broke his ankle or whatever sure, the injury on a touchdown was. catch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it was also not a fluke that Arizona was in this game. Um, you know, they, they were, uh, they lost their best safety early in the game to a, a, a targeting call, uh, that that's unfortunate. I, I don't, I understand the call. I don't like that. He was out for the right rest of call the game. by the letter of the rule, but the rule itself needs work. 
yeah, you know, four plays into a game, it's it's like ugh, it's questionable. Um, but the defense showed a lot of heart, a lot of fight. Uh, you know, at, well, especially after Drake London was out because he was just mauling them. But um, as he does to pretty much everyone. But the the most important development is Will Plummer. You know, goes out there and totally redeems himself <laughs> after uh, after you know not looking great so far this season. He went out there and perhaps was the most put on the most competent quarterback play in any game this season, including the Jordan McLeod Oregon game because he didn't throw five interceptions. Right? <laughs> We're praising a quarterback who did not turn the ball over five times. You know, he was he was making quick reads. He when there when there was space to run, he made a quick decision to run, got down in a way that wasn't putting himself at risk. Uh, he threw some pretty decent deep balls that actually were completed i nearly fell out of my chair when will Plummer completed a long pass to a tight end i you know that's a that's an arizona football bingo situation or well, okay you know, it, just for that sidetrack is there a more arizona thing to have happen than tavian cunningham catching a ball having his helmet ripped off breaking that tackle running for a touchdown and arizona loses that touchdown because of a penalty on the other team that's gotta be the most <laughs> arizona football thing ever <laughs> I, yeah i don't think i've ever seen anything like that <laughs> no the, and i'm watching going like wow that does that like in the nfl i believe that counts and i understand why they stop the play they don't want guys running around without their helmets on that's absolutely a safety thing i get it but how and then of course arizona went on a few plays later to score a touchdown so they didn't really lose anything other than time but wow that was the most arizona thing amazing play by cunningham after a good throw from Plummer. amazing play by cunningham gets his helmet ripped off breaks through that scores and it's called back because of a penalty on usc <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so Arizona. <laughs> well, and, and Tavian Cunningham, he's been pretty, you know, after a lot of hype in the preseason, he's been pretty silent, you know, whether it's been his fault or the quarterback's fault, because he's basically a deep threat guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he had, you know, he only had three catches, including that one, but for 116 yards, that's, I don't even know if he's had more than a couple hundred all season through seven games or whatever it is. Um, so the, I think there was, I, I was surprised to see, um, the game plan come out where the Arizona, you know, the Jed Fish offense was like, we're going to throw the ball and we're going to throw the ball deep. It was kind of the inverse of the prior game where they're, you know, it's like run the ball 85% of the time. And I think USC expected that. And Jed Fish, you know, I would have not expected it because I didn't know if Will Plummer had it in him. But, you know, I would argue that they ran up, they had a very good game plan once again, at least off it, maybe the best game planning in the last two games uh, that I've seen. Uh, all season, and part of it is Will Plummer kind of stepping up. Um, Anthony Pandy, Pandy uh, having a 32-yard run on the the fake <laughs> the fake punt. Um, it was there was they were they were they they looked like a team that deserved to be on the field against a a, a much more talented by raw talent you know, USC team. Yeah, I agree. A lot of progress. I agree with that, and it's kind of well, Judd Fish said all week. He's like Will Plummer had his best week of practice. And you're like, okay, is that coach speak? Because why would he? Why wouldn't he say that? He's not gonna say, oh, Will Plummer was garbage this week. We're screwed. Like that's not you're gonna hear from Jed Fish. But Will Plummer went out there and played well. He was in control of the offense, and I thought the way that they kind of rotated him with Jamari Joyner was good. There was that because it wasn't like, oh, Plummer's hot. Why would you take him? I was like, no. Like there's certain plays, and they had Jamari Joyner throw the first touchdown. It was an underthrown bomb to Cunningham, but a great play by Cunningham and Joyner out there. And of course, jo- of course, Joyner then hurts himself in that game. So we'll see if he's available against Cal. But it was, it's kind of one of those things where we've talked about before on the show many times. Actually, did the play calling look better because the players executed, 
because when guys are open, or maybe, but that's also part of the coaching is getting Will Plummer to feel confident in making those throws. You know, being like, hey, go out there and just wing the ball. If the guy's open, throw it down the field. And we didn't see that against Washington. I thought they were trying to hide him, and I still believe that. But they probably looked and said, well, we, that's probably not a way to win. They didn't score enough points in that game, and the one turnover ruined them. They fought back in this game, and you'd rather not them not get down again like that. They did it against BYU. They did it against Oregon. You know, these games that they fought back, and like, yeah, just don't get down by three touchdowns. That'll help. But... <laughs> But they did it. They did fight back. And they, they never had the ball, unlike BYU and unlike Oregon, they never had the ball within a score. You know, they got within that seven points at the end and they had the onside kick, didn't get it, and that was the game. But it's it goes back to and it's the moral victories, right? And at some point you want to see them turn into victories on the field. Like, that's what really matters. But if you looked at this game, if you went in the season and said, okay, they're going to go to USC, they're going to lose by seven with Will Plummer as their starting quarterback, you'd feel pretty good about it, especially if it wasn't like 7 nothing. Like, this was a game where the offense moved the ball and put the ball in the end zone, which we haven't seen. First time they topped 20 or 19 points all season. It looked like a big step forward, and it wasn't big enough to get the win against a more talented opponent, but it seemed like it was a big enough step to make you say, okay, maybe they, do, they are moving in the right direction, which is all this season's about. Yeah, and, you know, a subtle thing that happened in that game that I think was a a move in the right direction that almost got lost in the excitement of Arizona making him competitive in the second half. Uh, in the second quarter, was it a BJ Castile that had the catch and then fumbled it uh, and turned it over and USC got it. Looked like their guy would had their foot out of bounds, mm -hmm. but, but you know, oh, he did. I, it was not a well officiated game. No. Um, Hashtag you know, pack 12 refs. Yeah. But like, you know, that was 21-7 at the time, USC, and they went down and scored a touchdown, what, six plays later. It's 28-7. That could have been another moment for the, oh, here we go again with a turnover. And it is not. It, and, you know, after uh, well, six plays after that, I'm looking at the, the, the box score, Arizona had a touchdown uh, yeah. when they got the ball after they went down 28-7. Um, and so that it's, it's a really... I think that I think the next drive was the Tavion Cunningham play, right? Like they still they showed some fight, uh, and they didn't let that knock them back. And it's it's I'm not one for moral victories. I you know I don't think any of us are, but you're seeing this progress, and it, it sounds strange to say that this team is better than their record indicates because they've been in these games, and they're they're you know the team is knocking on the door of victory. But I think that at some point they just have to realize they need to not be knocking on the door. They need to kick it down um, and not leave it, wait for somebody to open it, right? Yeah. And, may, and well, of course, you know, USC is probably not one that's going to leave the door or open the door for them. They might crack it open a little bit. A team like Cal, you know, maybe they're going to open, leave the door open for you a little bit. But it's at the end of the day, this team has to learn how first to not lose and then learn how to win. Yeah. Well, there are still some issues. The penalties were an issue against... I'm not saying that like, there was the one, like the formation penalty on the double pass, that what they called was not actually there. Like there may, I first watch them like, that's a four, two forward passes. And then looking like, wait, it wasn't. They called suddenly Barry Hill being lined on, on the line of scrimmage. He was like two yards back line of scrimmage. Like it's like they called a thing because they're like, we have to, it was a horribly officiated game. Yeah. Not why Arizona lost, but it doesn't help. You know, the penalties that Arizona did commit that were real, the penalties that they were called for that weren't real, and the numerous penalties that were on USC that were not called including a blatant hold against Jalen Harris on USC's second touchdown right in front of the ref. And it's like, what, what do you want? Like, that's a completely different. You either call the hold, which is a 10-yard penalty. They don't get that long touchdown. 
or if he doesn't, like, sacks the quarter, sacks Solovis, and it's whole different. Like, missing that call or not throwing a flag there is inexcusable, but that's also just Pac-12 refs. You expect that. And yeah. I, I tweeted against uh, Washington after during that game on the Christian Young when he got called for the holding on that penultimate drive or the final one that put it away for Washington. That I think it was Diallo was held on that play, too. I was like, that should at least be offsetting. Like, Arizona's defensive line excels at getting held without a penalty flag being thrown. And I tweeted that again after the one against USC. Because it's, it's there. Call, throw the flag. Like, I get it. Arizona's defense isn't known to be good, and the team itself isn't known to be good, so they probably don't get respect from the refs. But like when they call holds against Arizona, it's pretty often legit. Players hold. Other yeah. teams hold, too. Throw a flag. Those plays, those penalties matter. <laughs> so I didn't like that. Yeah, well, especially on plays that result in touchdowns that should have been a sack or a loss of 10 yards. Um, you know, it... It, 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 I agree. It's not the reason Arizona lost the game. It certainly did not. Um, it did not feel uh, equally bad in terms of the big blatant calls that were missed. I think there was maybe one where there was a hold that was missed against Arizona like as the, well. Yeah, like they throw a flag and they decide to pick up the flag. It's like, why'd you pick it up? That was definitely a hold. Like, call the penalties. <laughs> like on both teams when they commit a penalty, call it. But that, that I'm not. I wasn't trying to get. That was a tangent I went off on, just because I'm like I it really upset yeah. me because it was some of the more obvious penalties. But Arizona was like Arizona was penalized 12 times for 130 yards. Again, sometimes in the red zone, they made mistakes. The fumble on by Castile, you can argue like the guy was out of bounds. That should not have been a legal fumble, but still hold on to the ball. Don't let him punch it out. Like, I don't think right. Castile was thinking that guy's out of bounds. I'm not worried about him punching the ball out. <laughs> like that was careless with the ball, and those are things that you can't do if you're Arizona. Now they did those things. And still had a chance, just kind of like how Jerome McLeod threw five interceptions and they were in the game against Oregon. Does that say that this team is better than we than the record? Like you were alluding to, like I don't know. Like they they still do those things, and their margin for error is so similar. When they do those things, they need some breaks. You know, they got a pick six in this game. Like they had a blocked punt against Washington in Washington territory and still lost that game. They had a pick six against USC and still lost that game. These are things. Yep. These are big plays that when they happen against Arizona, say, well, you're not going to overcome that. Other teams have overcome that against Arizona because Arizona's made enough mistakes outside of that to lose these games. This game, though, the mistakes were different. It wasn't interceptions from Will Plummer. It wasn't the quarterback putting the ball in danger. And defensively, yeah, Drake London being hurt was a problem for USC. They scored six points after halftime. Like, that, that wasn't great. The defense otherwise in the first half was getting shredded. Yes, the lack of penalties called hurt because some of those big plays, like, yeah, those should have been penalties. Arizona's defense did everything they could do other than not get held. But the point remains, it was a 35-14 game at halftime. Arizona was not stopping USC. Second half, did they stop them because their defense improved or because Drake London was out and USC went conservative? Probably a combination of all three. Yeah. But it goes down. like It's great that they came back from 35-14 down at half. Don't be down 35-14 at half. Like, don't put yourself in the hole. Give yourself a chance. Analysis. <laughs> no, but, but it's like we're all excited, and I get it because I'm excited too. I watch it. I'm like, yeah, this is great. They're competing. This makes me excited for their future. But you win this game when you're not putting yourself in that kind of a hole. If you have a second half where you win 20-6, to six, you can win that game with that score if you're not down by 21 points at halftime. You know, like that's just against against USC. You can't make those mistakes if you want to have a chance of winning. No, and this is a great USC team, but it's good enough. But they're but they're they're good enough that you can't you can't make a uh, a lot of mistakes. And the different the difference in this game was, you know, it's amazing what competent quarterback play can do. Like Will Plummer was not a he he was not a world beater in this game. He was, you know. 
he, he was cut from the cloth of a BJ Denker that's maybe a little less quick and can throw the ball slightly farther, but he was, you know, effectively managing the game and enough of a threat in the passing game and making the correct decisions most of the time. He still missed some plays. He still missed on some passes, but he he didn't lose you the game and in fact was enough of a threat to make the offense competent. Uh, and if and if you get that kind of quarterback play, it increases your margin for error for some of those things dramatically, right? <laughs> well, how many times would Arizona's offensive output, how many times would 34 points have won a game this season? And oh. obviously every game is different. They scored 34 because USC had 41, I imagine. You know, I get that. But Arizona hadn't scored more than 19 points in a game this season. 34 points would have been enough to win most of their games if it was just 34 points, right? They would have beaten... Uh, they would have beaten BYU. They would have beaten NAU. They would have beaten, you know, like there's there's so many games they would have won with that kind of That's And 34 is a lot, you know, but it's not that much in the context of college football. Like even the Arizona teams in the past under Richard, they would score 30 points. They would give up 50 or 60, but they would score 34. <laughs> so like, that would have been enough to win, let's see, one, would have been, I guess, tied Colorado. UCLA had 34 after a late touchdown. NEU had 21. BYU had 24. 34 points, 30 points a game, 24 points a game, you're competitive, and you're winning some games. I mean, if you get that kind of quarterback play and that offense against Washington, you beat that. You beat Washington, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And it's you You certainly beat NAU. Um, I mean, if... It, Jordan McLeod basically was that just with the turnovers it, against Oregon, and that was basically the difference in that game, right? It's, uh-huh. it, you, I mean, Arizona with that kind of passing game might beat UCLA. Like, UCLA was not that much better than them. No. Um, and you, if, if you have a competent offense, you're keeping, you, you know, for against UCLA, DTR off the field, who is beating you with the run game. And the more you can do that, you know, it, it's the dynamics of the game where the, the the reality of college football is if you have a position group or two that is dramatically underperforming, competent teams will exploit the hell out of it, right? And if no no position more so than quarterback, um, and so we gotta we gotta hope that maybe something clicked with Will Plummer, uh, but also with the rest of the offense. You know, you saw some more guys. Dorian Singer was getting some more snaps. Mm-hmm. I think I saw Jed Fish was saying that he's probably going to continue to get more reps, um, which he's a guy that was. He's a walk-on, but he was a highly recruited walk-on. Yeah, he's better. Had he's a, more talented than a normal walk-on. Well, I think he had like a scholarship. Was to was it to UT Austin or something like that? Well, and Texas then Texas like, was in on him actually. Yeah, like that's, right, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's that's UT Austin. I know. No one calls him that though. Well, and for I our listeners who don't know that, they just call him Texas. Okay. You know Walmart. that. <laughs> Um, my brother-in-law is a big Texas fan, so. And what does uh, he call them? He just calls them the Longhorns, to be honest. And it, Touché, it's usually touche. It's and it's usually, oh God, what are you doing, Longhorns? <laughs> or great job, Longhorns, <laughs> and nowhere in between. Um, yeah, Dorian Singer is a guy that's got size and like some talent. He's a young guy that, you know. <laughs> Also, how much of the quarterback issue has been the receivers not getting open? Some of those guys are getting more reps, and you're seeing that that open up more. You know, it's it's one of those things where maybe the things were the gears were all grinding a little bit on offense, and now maybe something started to click. You kind of change up some of the people that are in there getting plays. You know, Jalen Johns been getting more reps. Uh, Alex Lines has looked really great the last couple of games. Um, you say that as long as he's on the field, you're going to think he's looking great. You know that. Well. I love a tight end, Adam. Um, 
we'll let that one breathe for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's 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 one of those things where all those little things getting just a bit better, and especially with the quarterback play making the right decisions and receivers getting a little bit more open. Um, I mean, Dorian Singer was open, I think, on a, a touchdown pass that was one of Will Plummer's big misses. Uh, you know, in the red zone, it it'll be curious to see how it goes against Cal, who I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I don't mean this to be funny, but I don't I'm not sure which Cal team is going to show up this weekend. For or the if any, well, if any Cal team is going to show up, and Brad, let, let's talk about like let, let's get into that game because it's another game that looks winnable on Arizona's schedule. Assuming it happens, although if it doesn't happen, then it'll count as a win too. We'll talk about. It. All right, we're back, and as we mentioned before the break, Arizona hosts Cal on Saturday. It's an afternoon game, noon kickoff for homecoming. Cal is not a great team. They've started to play slightly better of late. Um, we're recording this on uh, November 4th, and reports today on Thursday have been that Cal's got more than a dozen players in COVID protocols who will not be making the trip to Tucson. We don't know who that is. And then there's other reports saying they could have up to 50 players impacted by this, which, of course, if they lose 50 players, they're not making the trip to Tucson. There's no, there's no way. Um, the COVID rules this year in the Pac-12, where if you miss a game due to your own COVID issues, it's a forfeit. The other team gets a win. So Arizona may be on the verge of getting its first win of the season and breaking the losing streak via the two sweetest words in the English dictionary, D and fault. But assuming the game does happen, and again, we don't know who's going to be playing for Cal, this still seems like a winnable game for the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to the preseason Jed Fish made a point to say, to say that he believed it was a competitive advantage for Arizona to have their teams vaccinated early. Boy, that looks prescient right now. Though well, I, my Cal's like I, 99% vaccinated. That just seems like bad luck. Yeah, I mean, who would get a breakthrough case of COVID while vaccinated, Adam? Who would do <laughs> such a thing? <sighs> um, it does happen, can confirm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we know all too well. Um, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> Would that be the most unsatisfying way of breaking this losing streak well, in, a, that, in a game that's winnable too? If it was just straight up, is that is that the question? Like, if they would have won, broken the losing streak against NAU. Would that have been not satisfying? No, but at least they would have played that game. They did have gone on the field sure. and beaten someone else. To the degree that I like, the graphics would not show Arizona as the longest losing streak in the nation anymore. I am absolutely fine with that. Like to get the. U of A logo, the block A, off the TVs next to the longest losing streak in the country. Sure. Sign me up. But, yes, I would rather it happen in a game that Arizona went on the field and scored more points than their team. I, I, even if it's a decimated Cal team, if they have 50 pl- 55 players and they're down all their quarterbacks and their offensive line is all out due to COVID, I don't care. I just want to see Arizona go on the field and beat someone. Like, I do. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'm already seeing the 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 – the the onion headline that it, the nation's longest losing streak ends in default due to COVID in peak 2021. <laughs> um, you know, but I, yeah, I, I, I hope there's a game. I think I would, I'm a competitor and I would rather see Cal show up with their full roster healthy and Arizona goes lines up and beats them. Uh, and I think this team is not far away from that. And I think they need to know that they can just beat someone, not get, you know, default, um, and I think this game is winnable. I, Cal's, God, what do they have? Like three wins, maybe. 
Yeah, they um, won their last two. They beat Colorado and they beat Oregon State. One of those opponents is pretty good. Yeah, Oregon State had been playing really well, and then Cal beat them pretty soundly. Um, other than that, Cal's beaten Sacramento State and, and Colorado. They beat pretty soundly, but who are we to throw stones at Colorado? Um, though I'm convinced Will Plummer of of the, of, uh, <laughs> the USC game would beat Colorado on the, even on the road. Um, you know, well, it's it's hard to preview a game if you don't know if it's even going to happen, Adam. Well, you <laughs> can do the best. Like, they're... They're more Justin Wilcox, the coach. Like he's, it's more of a defensive type of team. You know, that's who they are. Chase Garbers is an experienced quarterback. He's not bad. He's not great, but he's not bad. They like to run the ball. Damian Moore is their leading rusher, but they also Garbers can tuck the ball down and get, pick up some yardage too. I mean, it's not a super explosive offense, but it's been good enough. And that's kind of how Arizona offense should be with Will Plummer. Not particularly explosive, but good enough with a solid defense. And Cal is more known for their defense. But this is not a good Cal team. Like, they looked like a couple years ago they were kind of on the rise, and then it just fell apart. Like, they are not that team. They didn't make that leap that people have thought all their stuff. Bowl eligibility ahead of them. Like, that's still in their sights at three wins this season. So it's a big game for them. But, yeah, it, it's hard to really break it down not knowing who's going to be in Tucson. Like, we're going to assume that the game's going to happen. If it doesn't, like, if you're listening to this, by the time you listen to this podcast, if the game's been canceled in Arizona 1, then hooray, the, the losing streak is over. Cool. Not much left to analyze there. But if it does happen, and their main players play Garver's plays, the running backs play, like it's not like their entire offensive line or their quarterback room or whatever, like with position groups, you don't know who could be out. But it's if Arizona lines up with Cal and everything was normal, based on what happened last week against USC, you'd feel better about Arizona's chances. Of course, based on what happened last week against Oregon State, you'd feel like Cal's a better team than they've been, too. So both teams are coming off of a decent game. Just Cal won theirs. And does that mean Arizona at home? And that's, you mentioned if it was the Will Plummer against USC, they would have beaten Colorado. Probably. If it was the Will Plummer of USC against UCLA when he came into the game. Or, or that was uh, Gunnar Cruz. But like Gunnar Cruz the second half against BYU. You know, they've had spurts of good quarterback play this season. Just haven't had a full 60 minutes. The closest they had was against UC or USC just last week yeah. of 60 minutes of competent quarterback play. But at the same time, if you get the Will Plummer who came in against Colorado or the Will Plummer who started the game against NAU, you're losing to whoever you play. It doesn't matter. So the you question is... You that with NAU. Huh? You yeah. that with NAU. So the question is... Was the USC game a step forward? Was it a real thing, or was it just a product of playing against a defense that wasn't very good and probably didn't care as much because their offense gave them a big lead? And we'll find out against Cal. It might be a decimated Cal. It might be a shell of Cal, but it's still going to be Cal. So can Will Plummer look like a confident quarterback? They're not asking him to win the game for them. They're asking him just to make some throws, move the ball, and take care of the football. If he can do that, then they'll have a chance. Yeah, he just has to be a game manager that takes an occasional deep ball and takes what the defense gives him. You know, yeah. keep it simple. Don't try to be, you know, don't try to do too much. Um, I'm actually really curious to see if, like, with Dorian Singer getting more reps, Jalen Johnson seems to have been getting more reps of late. Uh, you know, maybe there's some confidence there with Will Plummer and throwing to Tavian Cunningham, coming, you know, having his biggest game maybe this season that I can recall. Um, I think. I think Bryce Wolma is coming back, so we can run an even better two tight end set, and I can be very happy. He's still your heart. Um, you know, it's it is a winnable game. I think the spread is weirdly 
large for at home for Arizona yeah, against Cal. It's been dropping ever since the word of Cal maybe not having their entire roster has started to leak. Yeah, yeah. Well, but didn't it open at like some like twelve and a half or something like that? Hey, twenty game losing streak against a team that just beat Oregon State. Yeah. Um. Hey, Arizona's been occasionally doing pretty well against the spread of late. Uh, Colorado notwithstanding, <laughs> but you know, it'll be. If this is going to be the game that is, you know, show me it wasn't a fluke, Will Plummer. And if you can do that, and the offense can, if the offense can perform that way, and the the second half, you uh, defense against USC shows up. Um, I think I think Arizona's defense was missing a few guys. Jackson Turner will be back. Um, but Kian Bars may be out. Modiallo may be out. The defensive line's kind of beat up. Yeah, but there's there's more depth. There's guys that are competent players like Aaron Blackwell hasn't played that much, and he's like a 17 year senior. Um, you know, I think he'd allow that. I think he'd be fine with that description of him. I mean, he's 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 basically Methuselah of uh, <laughs> Arizona football. Go on. <laughs> I well, I was trying to combine a biblical and Simpsons reference for you there, Adam. <laughs> um, but you know, I think there's more. I think there's enough depth on the defensive line. You've seen guys like Paris Shand, I think, got a sack against he's USC. He's also dinged up. Uh, Deion Wilson's been getting on the field and looking pretty good as pretty a sure relatively young defensive you lineman. One. Yeah. Um, you know, Reagan Terry hasn't seen the field that much, but you know, we'll see if there's an opportunity for him to step up. He was relatively uh, well regarded coming out of Pinal County, you know, Arizona kid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's bodies there. Uh, you know, everybody's dinged up, and this is the time of the season where you know <laughs> everybody's going to have some injuries, and this is where depth comes into play. Drink. Uh, you know, and this and this is where these are the kind of games that a a, a a competent team can win, even if they are dinged up. And a team that has no depth will struggle to do so because you'll be decimated at a position group or two. And it might not be a thing to be dinged up if Cal just has guys who can't make the trip. So we'll see again. We're recording this one on November fourth, two thousand twenty-one. And as of this moment, there are reports that Cal could be out upwards of. You know, a dozen, 15 to 50-ish players. And if it's a dozen to 15, the game will happen. If it's 50, there will not be a game Saturday afternoon. And Arizona will win its homecoming game, and the losing streak will be over. So <laughs> it's such an interesting situation. Like, we joked about it, and I, I would actually feel bad for Cal because, again, they're 99% vaccinated. Like, you do everything right, it can still happen. We know yeah. that from first-hand experience. And but I wonder too because they have different rules in the NFL. But if the positive tests were today, then there's not going to be time to have like those two negative tests within 48 hours or whatever. Like that's just doesn't exist for a Saturday afternoon kickoff. So it might be a matter of timing. It's just unlucky. But for Arizona, who has been on the wrong side of bed, like, I don't want like first and foremost everyone who has COVID hope they're healthy. They get through this. Like if they're mm-hmm. breakthrough cases, they hopefully they'll be fine. Vaccines do their job and everything and cool. Like that's the main concern. But from the Arizona perspective. I don't think you complain about a victory just because the losing streak would be over. But, yeah, you'd like to earn it on the field by beat. Like, that would be more satisfying. That would be more confident. Like, just winning by default doesn't be like, yeah, we're improving. We finally learned how to win. Like, no. Like, you just had the good fortune of staying healthy and not catching COVID as a vaccinated player. I I want the game to happen. I think we both want to have it. And, again, by the time you listen to this on Wildcat Radio 2.0, maybe the game has been called. It's been canceled and Arizona wins. But... I, I think we both agree. We want this game to happen. Oh, definitely. Um, 
I'm not sure Arizona fans would know what to do after a football victory if they played the game. Uh, it'll be the most confusing homecoming ever if it's there's no football game and we we win by default. Like <laughs> what? Like I just imagine everybody on campus kind of milling about, being like, "Gay." <laughs> yeah. I, I, do you high five people? How does this work? <laughs> it. You know. It's. <laughs> I mean, I, I intend to be driving down there uh, if the game is happening. If not, I will not be driving down there. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't want to have to turn around in Casa Grande which find out the game was canceled. I can tell you that much. I would imagine we'll know because they they'd be leaving Friday yeah, right, for Tucson. So we'll know if they have enough people on the plane <laughs> heading down to Tucson Friday. I don't think it's going to be a Saturday morning. I mean, they might test people Saturday. Like, that's possible. But I don't think that's going to be the issue here. Like we'll know, we'll know Friday by the fifth. So you'll you'll have a good, you'll know before you drive down to Tucson. Like you'll, you'll be fine. And hopefully Arizona will be fine and win. <laughs> yes, on the field will be great. Off the field, we'll, we'll take it. You know, if it comes to that. But Brett, I think that does it for this week's Wildcat Radio. As always. We want you to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify. And if you're on iTunes, give us a rating. We will review, review the rating. If you leave us a comment, we will review that on the air. We'll, whatever it is, hopefully good. Even if it's bad, we will mention it on the air. We're going to tag your name, though, on that. So, you know, you can do the anonymous name where you can, you know, you be you. We accept that. Otherwise, we appreciate you listening. Make sure you follow us on the Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. And, yeah. Next week, we're going to do our big basketball season preview. We'll talk about the men's and women's teams as their seasons really start to get underway with the non-conference schedule. And also, hopefully, we'll be talking about an Arizona victory for the first, like in football for the first time since 2019. So for Brett, I'm Adam. Have a good weekend. Remember to bear down. Bear down.